we are going to talk about Jesus being the only way to God today. Because he is God. Now, culture is going to tell you something different. Culture is going to tell you that as long as you believe in a higher power, you are okay. Now, what's so dangerous about that is that Jesus, God, gave through the Ten Commandments. What was one of the top commandments that Jesus, God, gave to his covenant people? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So he didn't say, you're okay if you worship a god. He said, you shall have no other god. You shall not call anyone else God. You are no other idol. So just being religious is not enough to make yourself right with God. And I'm preaching to people who believe in Jesus today. You guys believe in Jesus. But I want you guys to hear this to be a better evangelist, a better proclaimer of the gospel. Because... If you hear this and say to yourself, okay, I'm sentimental, there's no way that there's a hell and there's no way if someone doesn't believe in the God, I'm going to believe that they're going to hell. So I'm just not going to tell people. I'm just going to brush that under the rug. I don't want to make any waves. I don't want someone to think, you know, badly of me or to think less of me. This message should both drive you to worship because God has made a way to himself and it should drive you to deeply love those who you are in relationship who don't know Jesus. I know we can't make anyone believe the gospel, but we are called to share the gospel. So many people complain that there's only one way. How can there be only one way? I propose to you that that's the wrong response. The right response is, how is there a way back to God? When I'm such a wretched sinner, and we as a world, we as a people don't deserve it, how has God made a way back to himself through sacrificing his own self, his own son? How? So sinful hearts can say, there can't be only one way. There's too many good people I know. There's got to be more ways. I remember hearing Oprah say that years back when a Christian lady said, well, Jesus says only one way. She said, how can that be? See, she's speaking from speculation as a sin, sinner. We're all sinners. What you get to hear today is the God-man who is sinless giving revelation. Don't build your life on speculation. We build our life on revelation. That's why at Restoration Road we preach from the Bible. If I get up here and just give you good philosophy, that's not enough. But if I get up here and I preach the words of Jesus, of what he is revealing as truth, you can live your life according to that. So I'm asking you to throw speculation as a sinner out the window and today hear revelation for the one who has always existed, the second person of the Trinity coming down to earth to reveal truth. And he's telling us there's only one way to God. That should shatter your world. You have built all your opinions on teachings of other men. So there's people who influence you in life, there's people who you hear, there's people who give you teachings. Today I want you to build your life on the teachings of Jesus. Not from speculation, but from revelation. So the other night, I'm a movie watcher. I ain't gonna lie to you. I love watching movies. I was in the mood for a good murder mystery. I needed one. It's been, I realized I'm in too much action. 
I went on an action trip for about seven years, and Natalie likes action too. You know, once every year or two, she gets me to watch a movie like The Lucky One, and I like it. You know what I mean? She gets a romantic movie every one to two years, but I was on an action run. I said, I need a murder mystery. So we watched a movie. Does anyone watch Kiss the, Kiss the, Sp Kiss the Girls? Kiss the Spider. I got a long came of spider. Oh, I don't know. Do you guys remember Kiss the Girls? It was a movie in the late 90s. Uh, Morgan Freeman was playing this detective, Alex Cross. And there was a serial killer collector who was actually collecting women and putting these women in, in, in the basement in this like dungeon area under his house and abusing them, drugging them. And what happened is Alex Cross, who was played by Morgan Freeman, his niece gets abducted. So he gets on the case. And Ashley Judd is playing this doctor. She gets abducted. So you're seeing the play-by-play -play of her getting thrown into her room in this dungeon. He's drugging her up. She has no control. He says... You can't say anything. Don't yell to the other prisoners. It's like this horrible dungeon scene. But of course he knows Kung Fu. Because who doesn't know Kung Fu in these movies, right? So, the guy comes back after work one day. He wears the mask. You know how it goes in these thrillers. He comes in and she asks her if she's happy to see him. And then she kicks him. And she runs out the door because he left the door open, which is usually locked. And all of a sudden she's out in this dark place. And she's looking for a way back to freedom. Okay? She's running. She's going. It's all dark. At the end of the hallway, in one of the turns she makes, she sees a way back to freedom. She runs through. She opens up the door. She runs out to freedom. She had a few trees to run by, and she jumped off the shoes cliff into the creek. Let me tell you one thing that Ashley Judd wasn't saying. She wasn't saying why was there only way, one way. She didn't come out of there saying, why is there only one way out of there? Why was there only one way back to freedom? I'll tell you one thing she did say. Thank God there was a way back to freedom. Thank God there was a way out of there. And that is what I want our heart's response to be. We're in a sinful broken world where there's death, where there's destruction, where there's idolatry, where people are teaching all different ways. We shouldn't be saying, why is the only way we should be rejoicing in the gospel that says Jesus has made a way for us to get back to God. So that's what I want us to rejoice today, because I'm not really telling you guys, you guys believe Jesus is the way. So I'm not convincing any unbelievers. What I want you to do is, be fueled by the fact that loving God loves you so much that he made a way for you today. So let's turn to John. We're going to do 14, 1 through 7. And it starts with verse 1. I, I love this. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I love that verse. I love that Jesus is saying to his disciples, Let not your hearts be troubled. Now why would their hearts be troubled? So Peter, just in the previous verses, Jesus says that to Peter, he says, you're going to deny me. Now if you're in a group of dudes, and someone says to the strongest dude, you're going to act like a coward, what do you start saying about yourself? 
Wow, if Peter's going to deny him, how the heck am I going to make it through? Peter's supposed to be the rock. Peter's the outspoken one. Peter's the one who pronounced Jesus as the Christ. What hope do we have if our strongest leader is going to deny Jesus? So they're, they're shaken by this. Secondly, their leader, the God-man Jesus, their savior, their teacher, who they gave up everything for, is predicting his own death. Right? He's saying, I'm going to die. What does that mean? I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to be leaving you. So they both have this feeling of inadequacy where they say, if Peter's going to deny him, how am I going to make it through? And they're saying, our Savior, our teacher is leaving us. He's going to be gone. So this is why Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled by this. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in me that I am sovereign. Believe in me that I have a plan. Believe in me that it's going to be okay. You can't rightly comfort somebody unless it's through the gospel. How can I tell a mother who just lost her child that it's going to be okay if Jesus hasn't made a way for her to see her child again in heaven? How can I do that? How can I tell someone who's losing their loved one it's going to be okay if Jesus hasn't made a way to heaven for them to see their loved one again? How am I going to tell people okay, things are okay if the gospel is not true? How? You can only rightly comfort somebody if the gospel is true. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't comfort people who don't believe in the gospel and be affectionate to them and help them out to make dinners. We should comfort people who are suffering even if they are not a Christian. But only the only ultimate comfort that comes is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's been so much suffering I've been thinking about this week. It's just been... Mitchell started crying last week, and I felt all emotional this week. I don't know what happened. Every time I think about someone suffering, I felt like I was getting teary-eyed. I shared in my home group, and they still loved me. But there's so much suffering. I was over at a lady's house, and she was a widow. Her husband had died a year ago. And so her husband would always do the stuff around the house. He Mickey Mouse it, but I would never tell her because he, she thinks he's the ultimate engineer. Every time I get into something, he's got like a, a thumbnail in there, a playing card and a light, and I'm like, how did he rig this thing together? But he would take care of everything in the house. And so I went to do a small job for her last year, and she had just lost her husband. And um, this year, it's almost like she has the same conversation. I mean, who's to say how long it takes to get over losing your husband? Who am I to judge that? And she just kept talking, saying he used to do everything. He always, this was, he always says to me, he always used to say to me, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. And, and she says, I do. And she said it so sincerely, I do, I do, I miss him. And, um, and she lost her daughter four months ago. Um, I don't care how old you are, her daughter was 47, I don't care how old you are. You lose your mother, you lose your dad, you lose your daughter, you lose your close friend. Our bodies are getting old, but our hearts are still, and we feel that. And so there's so much pain, and, you know, I made sure, I gave Joe the heads up before we went in. I said, we got to, because it's ministry and electrical work for us, so if we see someone's in need, we got to change the ball. Make sure you listen to her, you love her, because she needs it. And um, we got to talk outside, and she found out that I was a pastor, and um, we started talking about her husband and this and that, and she says, the only comfort I have is I'm going to see my daughter again. And she said, Jesus is the ticket. He's the ticket. 
I said, I love when this happens on the week. I gotta preach about this stuff. You know, preachers need to know that God's always doing something to you that week that's gonna get you ready for the message on Sunday. But she said, Jesus is the ticket, so I'm gonna see her again, so I can make it through because I'm gonna see my daughter again. I'm gonna see my husband. I can make it through. And I was able to say to her, "You are, in a way, paraphrase, and let not your heart be troubled. You'll see them again." Because Jesus had made a way for you to see them again. People need to be comforted in this life. This is hard. Some stuff is hard. There's a lot of good things I don't want us to dread, but people die. I mean, the tragedies we saw in Boston. People go to the Boston Marathon. think they're watching a race and they leave amputees. This is tough stuff. The only way we can bring ultimate comfort is we can bring them Jesus if we can say, listen, this is temporary. Jesus is bringing us to a place where there's no more tears, where he is God, when there's no more death, when there's no more need to be comforted because we all will be living in eternal peace with God. Verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. I love that Jesus says, Would I be telling you this if it wasn't true? That's a little Bostonian. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't true. But what is Jesus saying? Ah, yes, I'm going away. I am going away. But I'm going to a place, heaven, a place of eternal bliss, a place of permanence, to make a place for you. You can understand these disciples... They weren't facing the kind of issues we face and get ruffled, right? My lawn's too high. My catfish died. <laughs> Please, no. These guys were facing death. These were young men who were going to die young. These men were going to die young. They were following Jesus, and many of them would be martyred. They would be persecuted. They would be hung upside down. They would be beheaded. They would be thrust through with a sword. He said, listen. Let not your heart be troubled. This is going to happen. But I'm preparing a place for you. And it's not a small place. Don't worry about it. Many rooms in this place for the redeemed. Not only for them, but for all the redeemed through history. I am making a way to heaven. So, I don't know about you guys, but heaven's an encouraging thing about the Christian faith. But it's something that I don't think about it all the time lately. You know what I mean? But what a benefit that Jesus has given us eternal life. And what is Jesus saying to them? He's saying, you're going to lose me? But the greatest thing about heaven is, I'm going to be there with you. What comforts us when we're saying goodbye to our loved ones when they're on their deathbed? We're going to see you again, right? Even Mitchell leaving last week, the only thing he kept saying, you're coming to Florida, I'm going to see you again. That's in this temporary life. But we're saying goodbye to our loved ones. It's so comforting when you hear, see each other again. I know some of you, you know, lost loved ones, lost parents, lost friends. The comfort for the Christian is, I will see you again. And we can say that because that's true. And that's from Jesus. But we can't miss the fact that he says, I will come again. He's talking about the second coming. Now, I heard a woman who grew up in church all her life years ago 
mentioned the second coming, that Jesus will one day come back to create a, and establish a new heavens and a new earth. And she said, I never heard that before. Don't be blown away. This happens in churches all the time. Because if you don't preach the Bible, why would anyone ever hear that Jesus was coming back again? But Jesus is not only saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a place of permanence, a place of bliss, a place where I am. He's saying, I'm coming back again to establish my kingdom. That's a great hope of a Christian. It actually says, pray in your prayers. Pray that Jesus comes. When you see mass death and mass chaos, pray that Jesus comes. When you see all the suffering, pray that Jesus comes. He's comforting them. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back again to establish a kingdom that's not like this kingdom. It's not like this. Moving on to verse 4. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now Jesus just cracks me up. He does. He says, you guys know the way. What is Thomas' response? He has so much confidence and you guys know the way. You've been living with me. You know the way. You, you know, I'm discipling you guys. You should know the way. And then you got Thomas who's always blatantly honest. Thomas doesn't hold anything back. And Thomas says to you, not only we do not know the way, we don't know where we're going. I don't even know what you're talking about. He's basically saying to Jesus, I don't even know what the heck you were talking about. You're talking crazy right now. What I love about that is that tells you a little bit about Jesus' leadership. He wasn't this dictator, this tyrant who said, you can't ask any questions. You can't be confused. How dare you question the God-man? No, it was a place of conversation, a place of question. He was actually asking them those questions to lead them to the truth. Some cultures, some churches, they put the pastor up on a pedestal where if you even question him, if you even say, what are you talking about or what are you doing, you're ousted. That's not how Jesus did it. Never, if anyone had a reason to do it, <laughs> it was the sinless one, right? But Jesus allows this question, and here's the meat right here. I mean, the whole thing's meat, but here's the center of the passage right here. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So the question Thomas is posing is, where are you going? So where are we going? And how do you get there? That's the frame of the question he's asking. And Jesus answers the question. Where is he telling them they're going? Back to God the Father. What were we created for? We were created to be in perfect relationship with God the Father from the beginning. When he made Adam and Eve perfectly in his image to be in relationship with him. That's how we were made to exist. That's how we will exist as a people in heaven. So Jesus is basically taking, saying, I'm bringing you back to where you were supposed to be. The destination is to be with God the Father in eternity. Alright? Because the way had been broken. So the Bible is just one big story of redemption. God created man perfectly in his image. They broke fellowship through sinning and rebelling against God, worshipped other gods, murdered each other, went after the things of this world instead of after Jesus. So you have that whole time period. What does Jesus do when he comes back? He comes back to become the way back to God the Father. So what is the answer to Thomas' question? I am the way back to God the Father. How is he the way though? And I know we hear this 
all the time. And I was talking with Jerry earlier. We were talking through all this stuff. Jesus, didn't, his ultimate goal wasn't just to come to die for the forgiveness of our sins. His ultimate goal wasn't just to die so we could be declared innocent. His ultimate goal wasn't just to die so we go back to heaven. His ultimate goal was to bring us back to God the Father so we had to do those other things. Do you understand what I'm saying? In order for us to be in relationship with God the Father, He had to make a way for our sins to be forgiven. In order for us to be in relationship with God the Father, He had to declare us innocent through imputed righteousness that we received from Him on the cross through faith. Those things are just a result of Him bringing us back to God the Father. His goal, why He came, was to seek and save that which was lost and bring it back to God the Father. So that we needed forgiveness of sins. We needed to be declared innocent in all those things. Does that make sense to everybody? So He is the way back to God the Father. And of course, John comes in at the perfect time during the message and we love him. <laughs> I thought I'd get more giggles. I didn't mean to put John on the spot. <laughs> I thought I would lighten stuff up. It got a little heavier. Got a little heavier. My fault. Alright. This is the way. Jesus is the truth. Why did they need to hear that Jesus was the truth. Because you know, people, the religious leaders, the Jewish people, were making a huge statement by pinning Jesus to the cross. You know what they were declaring? They were declaring that Jesus was a liar. Listen, when someone comes to the earth, says he's God, he's here to bring salvation, and you pin him to the cross and mock him above and say he's the king of the Jew, what statement are you making? You're calling him an absolute liar. They said he was a liar. They said he was doing the works according to, by the power of the devil. Okay? So they're making a statement by killing him, saying this dude's a liar. He was not who he says he was. They need to know that Jesus is the truth so they can make it through the storm of people saying, see, he was a liar. He's in the grave. And why did they need to know it was the life? Because when you see his dead corpse there, his dead beaten corpse there, unrecognizable, you have to know and believe that he will be resurrected from the dead. That somehow he will bring life through this death. They needed to know that he was the way, the truth, and the life during this time of turmoil. And we need to know the same. Now here we get to the heavy part. This is the one that everyone doesn't really want to chew on, right? We wish this wasn't part of our faith. You shouldn't wish that. Jesus says, no one comes to God the Father but through me. Can someone be in right relationship with God if they follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad? Can someone be in right relationship with God if they follow the way of Buddha? Can someone be in the right um, standing with God if they follow the way of Gandhi through Hinduism or other things like that? No. There's no other way to God. See, what happens to us is we let our sentimentality dictate our philosophy. We say, I love this person, and I've joined good times with them, and they believe in a higher power. How can they be going to hell? How can they not be going to heaven? But see, what happens through all these men is they're teaching through speculation, not through revelation. So let me give you a heavy example here. 
Actually, let me not get to that. That's heavy for the application. We'll hit that there. Buddha. Alright, I'll just use some of the big figures that people follow. Amazing. Buddha cannot show you the way back to God because he's a sinner. And because he is not God. Therefore, anything he teaches is built on speculation. Muhammad cannot show you the way back to God because he is a sinner. And every teaching he gave was built on speculation, not revelation. Gandhi cannot show you the way to God because everything he gives you, he's telling from a sinful man's point of observing the world from speculation instead of revelation. Jesus can show you the way to God because he came down as God into human history and revealing things that have been known before the earth was even created. That haven't been known. That's truth. You can't build your life on speculation. You have to build it on revelation. That's why we can stand true and say, Jesus is the way, and there's only one way to God through Jesus, because Jesus said it because he was God. See how everything is built on the fact that he was God. If he was not God, then we cannot believe his words to be true. Then we cannot leave here with confidence or worship here today, knowing that Jesus is the only way and that there is a way back to God. Everything Jesus spoke was revelation. That's why I encourage you guys to get in your Bible, to be in home groups, to be um, gathering with God's people, because that's where God's word is revealed. So we don't worship this Bible. We honor the words of it as the words of God to shape our life, and that's why we preach from the Bible. It's not something outdated. It's something eternal in these worlds whose words will never fall short. And that's why you can bank living your life on it. It's good enough for me to know salvation. It's good for me to know how to live. It's good enough for me to know how to, what's ahead of me in eternity. And finally, Jesus just recaps this. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus basically saying, you have seen God the Father if you have seen me. If you know me, you know God. If you don't know me, you don't know God. We need to understand this because this has serious implications for worship and serious implications for evangelism. So let's get to some application here. The first thing I want you to really leave here with is rejoicing in the fact that God has made a way for you, for your children, for your parents, for your cousins, for your brothers, for your sisters, for your friends. Just like that lady who ran out and was glad there was a way, we should be excited that Jesus has made a way back to God. Unbelievable. But you got to believe it. That just blows my mind. I mean, do you guys get that? God, the second person, came down, was born as a baby, lived a perfect life, was murdered, beaten, bruised, battered for you so that you could be made right with God. He rose again so that we could experience eternal life. Unbelievable. They should be dancing in the streets over this. Unbelievable. So I want you to leave here with that truth. Now, the second way, Jesus is the way back to God, but he's also the way to live. Don't we all want to know how to live? How do I live? Jesus taught we should live as servants. If you're not living as a servant, you're not one of the greatest. The greatest among you shall be a servant of all. Secondly, he said, every second, every breath, every moment, work, at home, with friends, at church, on mission, 
should be lived for glory of God the Father. Do your good works to bring glory to God the Father. Everything Jesus did was to bring glory to God the Father. He taught us to love one another. Do you know if we didn't have that teaching, why wouldn't we just live like animals and only the strong survive and just wipe everyone out who doesn't agree with us, right? He said to love one another. And the greatest love is to lay down your life for your brother. You guys understand, this wouldn't come natural if Jesus didn't teach it. We're born as sinners, believe me. The first thing you don't come, who can I lay my life down for? I need someone to sacrifice for. Who do I serve? That's not natural inside you. That's the teachings of Jesus and obedience is brought about through the power of the Holy Spirit. He taught us how to live the most abundant life. Now think about this. Jesus lived 33 years. He lived the most fruitful, abundant, happiest life there was to live. People are saying, how could he be happy? He went to the cross. Because he fulfilled his mission that was given him from God. And he laid down his life so all the redeemed could be brought back to him. And he turned, that's how to live. Now let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out there who are teaching different ways to live. Now you're going to hear a little rant from me now. But hold it in. Men in this culture drive me crazy. Crazy. They are the laziest people ever. They don't follow they're not fathers to their children. They're not husbands to their wives. They, they don't take responsibilities. They don't provide. They don't lead. I'm blown away by how men act today. And I'm not talking about me. But the culture. I was at buying flowers for my wife and my daughters because they had the recital the other day. So I went to buy flowers. So there was a dude there that was about 25 years old selling the flowers. And... Um, I said I was buying them for my wife. I said, you have a wife? I said, dude, how old are you? I thought I was 25. You hear me? That's why I like him when he makes it into the message. I said, dude, he said, you're like someone I hang around with, man. How old are you? I said, dude, I've been married 10 years and i got two kids. He said, what? Like, I'm talking blown away. Like, what? I was like, yeah, this really happened. And I said to him, I said, it's the good life. He said, and I'm, I'm not making this up. You're the first guy I've ever heard call marriage the good life. You know why? Because every man in his life had shown him another way. Don't get married. Put it off forever. Don't take responsibility. Wait till you're 45 to get married. Wait till you sold all your oaths. Wait till you did every abomination before God until you get married. Wait till you um, saturated yourself with the pleasures world. Then get married. That's the way men show people today. God has showed us as men to show a different way. That we should sacrifice for our wives. That we should provide for our wives. That children are a gift from God. The dude's like, you have two kids? He ended up giving me free flowers the next day. He was that blown away. I gave him the restoration road card. I don't play my slipper right in there. He was that blown away because a man was showing him a different way to live. We as men and women of God need to show people a different way to live. You know what? You don't have to live as the ultimate consumer and buy everything your heart desires and be material. You don't have to live that way because Jesus taught us. He had nothing but he had everything. He's a homeless savior. Right? We don't have to go after those things for our joy. We can live for others. We can live for the church and its mission and find great life in it. That's the way. That's the way to live. And now here comes the heavy thing that I put off. This is when, when people follow men 
who teach speculation instead of revelation how things can go horribly, sinfully, devastatingly wrong. So I'm going to try to be broad with it, but it, yeah. Saw a video on Facebook and it, it was valid. It was of an average country, okay? And so the first sight of the the video, you would think it was a celebration. So I talked with Luke about this the other night. It was hundreds of marriages. I'm talking people in the streets, limos coming down, men in taxis. And these men were walking with eight and nine year old girls with their wedding gowns on. Okay? With their wedding gowns on. Sharing, culturally accepted as an acceptable way. First, and Natalie Kimmel, I said, I can't, this can't be real. They were marrying these 27, 30-year-old men. Okay? Now you're already blown away. You've seen the video. They're all married. Everyone has smiles on their face. I mean, tell you, you know how, it blew, I was blown away. I couldn't even believe it. Everyone's smiling. From the 30-year-old man down to the 8-year-old, 9-year-old girls to the parents who are giving them away. They go to the either the president or the leader of the country to give account for what's going on, right? They go from that to the country to give account. And this is what the guy says, and this is why I'm sharing the story. He says, we believe this is an acceptable way and this is right because Muhammad took a young bride. And he did. And they, I don't know exact facts, but he might have. I'm speaking broadly here, okay? And so it was roughly around eight and nine years old when the marriage was consummated. And they said, we know that this way is okay because Muhammad showed us this way is okay. See how devastating it is when people live according to men who teach speculation, how their way, their culture, their way of living can totally be thrown off and be an abomination in the eyes of God. When we follow the wrong way. But Jesus has taught us a better way to live. To live for others. To lay down our lives. To live pure and holy before God. And think of others before we even think about ourselves. Jesus is the way to live. He creates a culture that's beautiful. Where brother is loving brother and sister is loving sister. And people are getting married. And people are having children at the right ages. And everything is holy before God. And everything is right standing. Jesus creates the perfect community because his way is right. Now, sorry guys, I, this is a heavy message. So I can't get away from being heavy. So we got another heavy thing to tackle here. Does this mean some of the people you love are going to hell? I want to be careful with this because Jerry brought up a great point before. You know what's the most aggravating thing? That Christian who is excited about people going to hell? You know? You're going to hell! I'm going to heaven and you don't even know it! Who does that? I saw one girl who was a Christian post on Facebook. Um... She was aggravated with someone else and she posted, they're going to hell, they don't even know. Restoration Road, please, that is never our response. 
our response should be like, Jesus, send me to the cross if I can take the place of the ones I love so that they might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of heart we're coming there with. But this should cause you to share the gospel with those you love. Don't brush it under the rug. Don't brush it under the rug and say, well, there has to be something I'm not seeing. Guys, Jesus is saying it play. There's no other way back to God except through Jesus. Another thing we talked about home group the other night, a magician, I forget his name, he does a big show in Las Vegas, and he's a devout atheist, I'm talking. An angry atheist. And so, after one of his shows, a guy came up to him who was a Christian, and he gave him a Bible. He sincerely said to him, I want you to have this Bible, and I want you to read this Bible, because I want you to know what's in it. It affected this guy, not so he became a Christian. It affected him because he said, that guy was so sincere, and he wasn't being arrogant, and he truly loved me. He gave that Bible because he wanted me to find Jesus. He said, I don't believe, but it affected me. He almost was going to cry on the thing. He said, it affected me that much. Now, I'm still atheist, but how I feel is that if you're a Christian and you truly believe that there's only one way to God back to Jesus, he said, you must hate us if you're not sharing that with us. He used strong words. He said, you guys must hate us if you're not sharing that truth with us. Even if we reject it, if you truly believe that, why aren't you sharing that message with others? And so I say this not for you guys to feel condemned. I want you guys to feel the weight of this is the truth. And that no one comes to God except through Jesus. And you need to feel the weight of that because it's not, oh, there might be another way. There is no other way. And you need to share the gospel in love to those you love. Not because Joey said it, please. Because Jesus is revealing this to us. And these are the words we live on. And finally, restoration goes. Let not your hearts be troubled. I know there's suffering in this life. I know there's brokenness in this life. I know there's pain in this life. But God has made a way for you to be back to God. Back to Himself. So God the Father has made a way through God the Son for you to be at one with the triune God. That's something to rejoice in. If you're losing loved ones, people are suffering, all those things, you can be confident that God has prepared a place for you in heaven to be with Him. And that's incredible. So in closing, Jesus has made a way back to God the Father because He is God the Son. Let's rejoice in that today. But also, let's pray for those who don't know the way. So part of me wants to just say, guys, let's rejoice in this and we need to rejoice right as I'm preaching this, I'm even feeling the weight of it more. But people need to hear the gospel. They need to see it demonstrated both in us as a community and in us individually in our everyday lives to love them like Jesus loved them. Amen.